The test will begin on the word start. On your mark, get ready, start. to inform you of college admissions podcast by students for students. I'm Saad. I'm Justin. And I'm Connor. This week, our guest is admissions mom from the Applying to College subreddit. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so you've become a staple of the Applying to College community, obviously. Why do you think people love you so much? <laughs> um, well, first of all, not everybody loves me so much. Um, but I think I what what I think the kids have responded to is that I I try to show all sorts of alternatives to just one way to approach the college process. Um, I've I my whole goal when I entered the college um, consulting business and helping kids through the process was to take the stress out of the process. I'd seen in my community where my kids grew up that there was a very stressful process, and parents were parents and children were starting to focus on it as early as sixth and seventh grade. Um, and their lives were surrounding, being surrounded by this process. And, and I felt the need to kind of take the stress out of it. My kids, my three kids and I had a really happy experience with college, the college process. It was Mm -hmm. kind of a time for them for self-exploration, um, and for kind of learning more about themselves. And I hated that I was seeing from so many of my friends and peers and people who were coming and talking to me about it, that it was such a stressful process. I was a writing teacher for 15 years before that and a, and a, a teacher teacher for, I was a writing teacher the whole time, but I was a writing teacher in a community college for the last 15 years. And so I was helping a lot of kids through the transfer process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was seeing how it worked. And so I had people coming to me all the time and talking to me about how going through the process, friends and family members and seeing how stressed they were. And so I kind of went off on this mission of starting a business of trying to make the process less stressful. When I got on the subreddit, my initial goal was just to read and learn myself. Um, and then I found that there was a lot of stress and that I could actually occasionally help out a little bit. And so when I first started, I was very hesitant, very tentative to put any words on paper, words out there. I'd never been on Reddit before. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I found like the kids were really responding to what I had to say. And I basically talked to the kids like I talked to my own kids. You know, I give advice. That's why I named myself admissions mom rather than admissions expert, because I'm certainly not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of wanted to be a presence who's giving advice that I would give my own children about going through the process and trying to do it mindfully and paying attention to all the different aspects of the application process that are out there that you can really learn about yourself from. Because for me, that in the end is more important than actually where you end up going to college. And I think I'll stop there. <laughs> All right. I, I, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to add that, like, um, it's great that, like, you see yourself more as, um, it, it's great that you mentioned the whole thing about why you call yourself, um, admissions mom versus admissions expert because, like, how you're spreading positivity through the community, I thought is, like, super helpful because, of course, r slash applying to college can get pretty tense at times with people thinking that they're deciding their entire futures and they don't know what they're doing really, but you're always um, you're often there to help and just guide them. And um, I feel like one of the most important things is that um, you're always just a positive person when other people are freaking out. So thank you for helping everybody with that. Um, I don't really have a question, but I just wanted to add that. 
No, you're welcome. And I think you made up a real, you, you had a good point there mm-hmm. about freaking out because it's the decision of the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. that's the truth, by the way, you are making decisions and moving forward with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think 17 year olds and, and often many of their parents also don't understand mm-hmm. is that you don't know where that's going. You have no control over that path. The decisions you're making now, yes, are going to lead you towards the rest of your life. But the rest of your life is still a wide open plane and there are so many ways that, that you can go down that path. And it's not always all about your choices. It's about the choices life makes for you. And that becomes very evident in the college application process. And I think that what, I think a big hurdle that a lot of kids need to kind of move over and it's so hard. It's hard for people my age. It's, you know, mm-hmm. is that when you hit obstacles, that's almost a benefit. That's what are you going to learn from that? Where are you going to take that learning and education that you've taught yourself through this process to move forward? And, you know, those obstacles kind of lead you down the path of your life. So yeah, you are making decisions about the rest of your life, but it doesn't matter what you do. You know, they're all going to take you where you need to be. That's my philosophy. Um, trying to uh, segue into one of these questions here. I assume that you've, um, kind of encountered many obstacles in your job. So I would just like to ask, um, what obstacles, um, have you encountered in your job as an admissions counselor and what kind of, uh, what kind of lessons have you learned from them in both helping yourself and helping students out? Um, that's a really good question. So I guess for me, my, my biggest obstacles are coming up against people who feel like their children or they themselves have to go to a certain school or a certain set of schools, mm-hmm. you know, T10, T20, T100, whatever it is that they're so openly, so focused on that they can't look at the bigger picture um, of the, you know, the same path that I'm talking about for kids to go down. And so um, sometimes it, it comes that I have to learn how to talk to people so that they understand what I'm saying, because I want to, I know very strongly how I feel about it. And so I want to abbreviate it and say, oh, it doesn't matter, but that's not going to work. I have to understand that. Yeah, for them, it does matter. It's very important to them. And so I have to figure out a way to negotiate what I believe is important with what they believe is important and make that come together. And that happens on Reddit all the time. I mean, I have butt heads with people frequently, but also with parents and, and kids in real life too, kind of making sure they understand my philosophy while I understand theirs. And that's really probably my biggest obstacle um, in the process is that I tend to think differently about it than a lot of people right now. So um, I, I would just kind of like to segue into another question then. So you said that necessarily you shouldn't be start thinking about just the rank of a college. So if we shouldn't be thinking just of the rank, what are some important aspects that we should consider when we're trying to choose a college? So I like to... Th- to, I don't think you should be considering rank at all, as a matter of fact. Um, I know people do. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I prefer to think about fit. I mean, and that's a big buzzword these days, and everybody's talking about fit. But I think it's really important to think about fit. And I have, I think I have five fits that are the, the most important to me. Um, one of them that we mentioned earlier when we were actually just chatting was weather. I mean, like, basically, like, are you going to tolerate the cold? Are you going to tolerate the heat? Um, and then other geographic references, that's kind of an, a first thing that you start mm-hmm. to think about. Um, do you want to be in a city? Do you want to be in a rural area? Then school size and population. Um, and then social atmosphere. Do you want like a nerdy geeky atmosphere? Do you want an, a well-rounded college that includes everybody? Are you looking for that really rah-rah big state football experience? Because every kid has different expectations of what they want. And then, um, financial is huge. 
you know, do you qualify financial for financial aid first? You know, do you need full aid? And then also a lot of kids these days are really being very practical about this and thinking like, you know what, I don't qualify for that financial much financial aid, but I don't, my parents don't need to pay $70,000 a year for a college. So looking for merit aid um, or a combination of, and I think those are really where you have to start. I don't, when I do ranks, when I do college lists for my kids, I, my personal, my personal clients who I work with, I don't have them ranked into reach, um, target and, uh, safety. I don't mm -hmm. use those words at all. We just have a list of schools that sound like they fit. And regardless of whether they're reach target or safety, there's a wide range of schools that fit you. So that's where I feel like it needs to start. So some, for some people, Four-year institutions might not be great for them, right? So uh, starting at a two-year institution might be great for some people. Who do you recommend starts at a two-year institution, if anybody? Well, I was a community college teacher for 15 years. I taught writing to um, – I taught first-year writing to my students. And so I, I know for a fact that all kinds of students can do very well in a two-year institution because I've had all kinds of students. Um, from the students who went there to community college because they didn't do so great in high school and they wanted a fresh start and they were ready to get going and work hard from the students who financially, you know, maybe they could have gotten into or did get into all sorts of other colleges, but financially it just wasn't worth it to them. And so they stayed home or kids who just frankly needed to be at home for a couple of more years, whatever their families needed them, um, cultural ties. Some families don't like to have um, their children leave you know, and go so far away culturally. So all kinds of, I had some br brilliant, amazing students. And so I know all kinds of students can do well. Um, I think that for kids who really do want to get away from home and need to get away from home, community college isn't the best option because there's no housing paid for. So there's no way for them to get that merit money or financial aid money to get housing for community college. For kids who are comfortable living at home or can uh, afford an apartment, it can be an option. Um, it really, th the nice thing to me about community colleges is that you can get those beginning classes, especially if you're going to move to a big state university, you can get those first couple of years out of the way with your um, core classes with really great one-on-one -on -one, um, teaching and uh, learning from the teachers who are there. And most, all the community college teachers I know it, where I taught were extremely devoted to the profession and teaching their students and engaging their students. Um, California has a great system. Texas has a pretty good system. I'm not as familiar with the rest of the states to be as honest about, mm -hmm. about the transfers. And I know also that a lot of the Ivy Leagues now are starting to start programs to accept um, community college transfers in junior year. They're, they're looking at that too as an outreach and access program and, and way for them to accomplish that. Yeah. So I, I actually have personal experience with this. Like I've been a full-time dual enrollment student this whole year, um, okay. starting in junior year. And my experience has been really great at the community college that I go to. Like the, the professors, they, they all want to have a one-on-one -on -one encounter with you. You know, you can right. ask questions, they'll answer them because they, they're super helpful. Whereas yeah. I know like depending on the college you go to, you're going to be in huge classes all the exactly. time. Right. So for some people, that, those one-on-one -on -one discussions are really important for them. And like I know it is for me. So right. that's something that I've really liked about going to the community college. Right. Well, yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, on that note uh, of fit, I was wondering, who do you think is best for taking a gap year? 
I think every kid is best for taking a gap year. Um, I, I, in fact, I wish that it was more of a, a kind of a United States cultural thing for kids to take gap years. Um, but I think especially kids who are burned out on high school. Mm-hmm. So many kids have spent their college, I mean, their high school years um, focused on getting to college. So instead of focusing on being a teenager or focusing on learning more about themselves, they're they're solely focused on, you know, marching forward one step at a time, forward, 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 and they never take a stop, chance to stop and breathe. And they're exhausted and wiped out by the end of high school. And then they start college so stressed out already. And I think for those kids having that year to develop and learn about themselves and take a chance to just take a breath and work, travel, whatever it is, you know, every kid's financial situation is different. Um, I think those are... Those kids, it can be especially beneficial. Um, I think for kids um, who didn't get in anywhere that they really wanted to go and are not happy applying to colleges, you know, like that are still available now, um, it can be a take a chance to kind of just reassess, reassess your priorities, reassess your list, think about where you want to go and what. And often I find that those kids totally change their minds about where they wanted to go. Um, and then obviously the kids who have family issues or financial issues, I think, you know, for those kids, it can be beneficial at my, um, at my middle son who went to Harvard in his, uh, dorm little quad room, mm-hmm. he was one of, there were 10 boys there and he was one of two 18 year olds. All the rest of the kids were 19 and 20. They'd taken one or two gap years. Um, and I saw a difference in their happiness level and in their way to process the whole being in college. I thought it was really interesting to watch it. What, so what, what would you say was, um, the difference just that they were, were they happier? Were they more focused academically? Were they, I think uh, that they had had, yes, I think everything they'd had a chance to kind of get out and explore life and experience life mm-hmm. and whichever, they all did different things. I mean, so there wasn't like one set, like, Oh, you have to travel to Africa. I mean, it was everybody had done different, mm-hmm. um, ways of developing that year. A couple of the kids had just wor- worked for the year to make money. Um, I think just a, a relaxation with who they were and a more, you know, kind of more confident about being in college. Um, that's what I saw in them. I, I know, I know Harvard encourages it with the kids and I, w- I wish more colleges would do that. I, I think an important thing to like bounce off of there is like you, you've been bringing up all these great things that people can do during their gap year. What do you think that like definitively, what, what are, what are some things that they can do to improve their application in their gap year? Because some people may be concerned about just a blank year. Or do you even think that should, they should be focused on improving their application during the gap year? Or they, should they just make it a personal year? I, I think it's a combination. I think by making it a personal year, by making it a year when you're learning more about yourself and becoming more about who you are and reflection, reflecting on yourself and developing your self-awareness and your self-exploration mm-hmm. makes it a better application. That's going to make you have stronger essays. That's going to make you apply to schools where you know are going to be a better fit for you. But also like, his question of like what looks good on an application, I, you know, you can't just be lying on your parents' couch for a year and say, oh, yeah, well, I've done a lot of thinking. And, you know, this is, I mean, you, you actually do have to get out there mm-hmm. and be involved. So, um, and, and just like in life, I mean, my things here, I feel like children, and I'm calling you children, I'm sorry, but teens, adults, everybody needs to be involved. You need to be involved with yourself, mm-hmm. figuring out who you are, taking care of yourself, your mental health, mm-hmm. your physical health. Um, by reading books and, you know, researching and walking and any, whatever works for you and mm-hmm. be involved in your family. 
um, by helping out, helping out your parents, figuring out what you can do in the family, being involved in the community around you by volunteering mm-hmm. in some way, figuring out a way that you can be helpful. For me, I'm not a big joiner. I like to do things on an individual basis. So, you know, I give out um, ba- homeless bags. I mean, I give out comfort bags to the homeless people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I go and volunteer occasionally in a retirement home. There's things you can do on your own if you don't want to join a group that are still will look good on an application mm-hmm. and then get a job. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a really great way to show, especially if you can't, it, you know, it kind of depends on your focus. But if, at the very least, I would suggest just going and getting a job any kind of job. Um, it, you know, if you want to do an internship, fine, that's great. If you want to do research, fine, that's great. But if you want to go work at McDonald's flipping burgers, that can be an amazing experience for you because you're going to be surrounded by people that you'll probably never be surrounded by in your life. You're going to learn about how to take care of customers and the valuable lessons there. So I think there's really no one right way to do a gap year. I think the most important thing is to be involved and then kind of learn about yourself as you have that involvement. And I think the reason for that is because you've been so busy mm-hmm. being focused on moving forward that you haven't, even if you're involved, a lot of kids, you're not really involved because the whole purpose is just to get on that, get what you're doing on the application rather than to be personally involved. Uh, like me and my friend are working in a lab together. He's actually monitoring our audio right now. Great. We're working in a lab together. Uh, but at the same time, we have to juggle that with, uh, you know, uh, papers being due and tests and this and that. And it's really hard to focus on stuff that we want to do right. over stuff that we have to do. Uh, so like when you have a gap year, there isn't, there's, there isn't a due date for anything. There's just exactly work, you know, it's just discover right. yourself, be involved. And then, so if you were, uh, you know, you'd be able to work in the lab and really be able to totally focus on whatever it is, goals you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. in the lab, rather than trying to balance all your schoolwork and, you know, your extracurriculars and, you know, you could just do that and then maybe do some self-development things also. Or as for as helpful as it is, um, do you think that, uh, do you think that everybody should consider taking gap year or do you think that there are specific people who shouldn't consider it and should basically, um, know that they're going to college and just go right into college? Do you think that those people exist or do you think that everyone should at least take a gap year into consideration for their own personal development and health? Um, I think that it can, it's not going to hurt anybody, first mm-hmm. of all. I think for some students for whom financial aid is a huge need, they need all financial aid, um, mm-hmm. and they can get it. I think going straight into college is probably a really good option for them because they can get into college, they can have everything paid for, um, and they can start moving ahead with their lives. Um, and so I feel like for those kids, that it's, it's probably not going to hurt them to get started. They might need to take a gap year during the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that happens frequently too. Um, but I think for other kids, I really think it's a personal, a personal thing. I think a gap year can be a huge benefit to anyone who wants to do it, period. Um, as far as who should and shouldn't, you know, there's no rules about that. All right. I think that's some well, great thank insight. You for that, uh, information about gap year. Um, I'm sure that everyone on applying to college will be, happy to be able to de-stress a little bit since we're also focused on college. We forget about the fact that there's more life life out there than just college and that we can have more personal experiences than just a college. But, um, in terms of, in in terms of college itself, like, um, how do you feel about, um, the distinctions between, uh, I would say private colleges versus like public colleges, like in-state colleges versus, uh, out-of-state public colleges and even private colleges? Um, I don't really 
have any specific um, like question about this, but do you have any comments that you want to make about the differences between maybe pri- uh, public and private? Um, sure. First of all, I feel like they're, they're all types of, they're all kinds of great colleges. And mm-hmm. I think, um, and I've visited, you know, a lot of colleges from the teeniest, tiniest, you know, 950 kid college to University of Texas. It has mm-hmm. almost 50,000 kids and they have a very different vibe. I mean, there's just a different energy. And so it's what is working for you? What energy are you looking for? I love small liberal arts colleges. I feel like they are transformational for kids. Um, they get, you know, kind of the same benefits of a community college. You, you're, except that you're secluded and you're living on campus, but you really get that one-on-one interaction with your professors and your other classmates. They're demanding because of that. You can't go to class and fall asleep in the back of the classroom because there's 300 other students. Um, so it kind of just depends. Do you want to be that kind of involved student where you're having classroom discussions or do you want to sit in the back of the class and be anonymous? And there's nothing wrong with either of those decisions. Um, it's kind of a personal choice and a personal preference of where your comfort level is. Mm -hmm. Um, as far, you know, private schools have amazing financial aid in state publics have amazing financial aid. But, you know, on the other hand, I mean, I've made some connections with some really big out-of-state public schools in the last couple of weeks who hadn't filled their classes. And I knew kids who hadn't, you know, through Reddit, kids who hadn't gotten a place to go. And so I'm like, hey, I just talked to this lady. Go, you know, talk to her and tell her you talked to me. Um, so they, you can get financial aid out-of-state out of publics too. And it, it's just, again, it's like the vibe you're looking for. It goes back mm-hmm. to that fit that I talked to in, in the beginning. So uh, talking about the fit, something like there are liberal arts colleges out there. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't consider. Who do you think should consider liberal arts colleges uh, more heavily? And I think everybody should consider them. And I, I, I am on, on, you guys can help me with this. I'm on board mm-hmm. to make a change from calling them liberal arts colleges to liberal arts and sciences colleges. Um, because I think so many people <laughs> don't agree. understand that, that, that this confuses, arts actually has all the sciences. Too. Yeah. That, that confused me at the very beginning of the process <laughs> yeah. because you, you look at, it says liberal arts colleges and I'm like, well, I don't want to go to a college where they only offer like communications and like, filmmaking exactly. and something like that. And then I'm like, wait a sec. They offer like computer science and physics at this liberal arts college. Wait right, a second. Right. I should actually they look really into are, this. Yeah. The liberal arts and sciences. I, a couple of people who I feel like really can benefit from liberal arts colleges are people uh-huh. who know they're going to grad school. So pre-med students. I mean, if you're, if you're pre-med, liberal arts college is definitely one really, so it should be a school that you're really strongly considering because mm-hmm. of that one-on-one interaction with professors. Also, because there are no grad students at liberal arts colleges, so you're doing the research with your professors, and the the professors have to do the research, and they Mm -hmm. need people helping them. So you're in the lab working with those professors, and you're actually doing the real work. You're not just doing the scut work that the grad students tell you to do. Um, And so you really get that connection, too, for pre-med. I think pre-law, if you're interested in law school, going in and getting a philosophy degree or an econ degree or political science, whatever it is, or English degree, philosophy or anything... Um, and pre-med, by the way, you can major in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then yeah. that, I think if you know for sure you want to go to grad school, I think liberal arts colleges are the way to go, you know, and, and there are liberal arts colleges in cities and in the country and in suburban, they're all different, all over the place in different shades and sorts. So I feel like, and then anyone else who wants to be on that path to discovering who they are, to learning think, learning how to process, learning mm-hmm. how to problem solve rather than learning a job. 
Um, and Google actually recently has come out and I think some other tech industries, but I don't have my stats in front of me and saying, you know, like we, we need philosophy majors. We need history majors. We need psychology majors with all the AI coming out in the future. We need people who not, who not only just know how to code, but we need people who understand like what is going on in the brain and, and be able to help us create all of that mm-hmm. and to be able to think logically and creative and creatively and problem solve. So you're learning skills that you take with you to any job, basically, versus skills that you're learning for one job. And that's a personal preference. Again, I think I wish more people would be open to understanding that about liberal arts majors in general. I mean, if, even if you go to a big state university. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who, um, I, I feel like this is a theme that you've been kind of, uh, discussing and that we've been listening to. What would you say to people who are concerned so much with rank and so much with prestige and so much with going to a good school that they are only considering like, um, the Ivy Leagues or they're only considering like T10, T20, T whatever, um, that they don't even consider, uh, liberal arts colleges or taking a gap year or they don't consider fit or all these things that are super important to actually benefiting them in their next four or five years and the rest of their future? Um, well, I'd say two things to that statement. First of all, there are hundreds of good schools. There are hundreds of amazing schools in the United mm-hmm. States. So when you say good school, I'm going to jump on you, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to say, yeah, you're going to go to a good school because there are so many amazing good schools out there looking for you, looking for kids just like you. Um, and that's the truth. There are so many amazing schools out there who act, who are actively still at right now seeking students for, you know, September. Um, and so you could actually start the application process today for September and get into an amazing school that would be a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that. And then I would say my next thought is my, my next thing is to when you, cause kids always come on and say like, Oh, this is my dream school. Mm-hmm. And so my, response to that is it's not the dream school. It's not the school. It's the, it's the dream you. So figure out what it is about you that you're seeing on one of those T10 or Ivy Lake campuses. Mm-hmm. And what is, what is it about you that you see there? What is it that you see yourself doing? What is it that you see yourself actively participating in? What is it about that school that, that makes it a dream school for you? What is it about the dream you that you see there? And then take that, take what you learn about yourself during that process and find schools that fit that. Because that's what you'll find. It's not the school. It's what you imagine yourself doing there in the school. And if it's not that, and it strictly is just because if it's a number, then then you need to take some time to think <laughs> about it. Take a so gap year, maybe. on that note, uh, what do you? What would you say to kids whose parents think like that? How would you tell them to deal with that kind of thing? Because like I saw a post a few months ago where this kid got into UC San Diego, which is an excellent school, but his dad still saw it as like a disappointing because he only knew, you know, Stanford, Yale, etc. Yeah, so, like adults so fixated on the rank that they can't even see past the fit or their child's happiness. Yeah, so for, for my adults, I, I show them statistics. I show them the statistics of how many kids out there have a 35, 36 ACT, you know, 1550 to 1600 SAT, mm-hmm. how many class presidents there are, how many editors of the school newspaper there are, how many kids out there are doing research, you know, how many kids are out there doing internships. And there's just simply, there's just not enough space. I mean, so, you know, you, you guys, your generation is full of amazing kids. I mean, my generation as parents, we've done a really good job. So we've, we've you know, y'all, have, y'all are, there's, you're so amazing. There's just not enough space within those little 10 schools 
Um, and, and, and applications begin to look very similar. So there's really no way to count on an acceptance into those schools. It's strictly based on a vibe, what the, what the reader feels about you, what you feel about the reader that's out of your control and not what you feel about the reader, what you feel about the school that you could express to the reader. And, and it's out of your control. And so for parents, I kind of just show them this, the statistics of like the likelihood of getting into these schools that they might be really fixated on is so small. And that by putting that pressure on their children, that they're hurting them in a way. And, and I talk a lot about, you know, and I talk to parents about what I have experienced with kids on Reddit and outside Reddit with that, you know, that kind of pressure. Yeah, I think that's an important point to make. Like have, being so fixated on one school just because of its rank, you're kind of just setting yourself up for for, um, for grief because uh, setting yourself up for failure because the acceptance rates at these colleges are so astronomically low, even for super qualified applicants that take, taking a school just because of its rank is not a viable way to choose a college. No, it's not. And I think that if, if, oh, I had a thought. Um, <laughs> and I think that I, I, I'm not against kids applying to highly ranked kids schools. I mean, my kids went to Vandy, Harvard, and Tufts. I mean, I'm, it's not like I feel like highly ranked schools are bad, right? I mean, I like them. I, they had, they had great experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I, it would be hypocritical to me to say, no, everybody only needs to look at, you know, you know, ranked, you know, 40 and above. I mean, I feel like you find the school that the schools that fit you. And if that's a highly ranked school, go for it. I mean, but it can't be the school you're planning on attending, right? I mean, so you find a, an array of, of selectivity within that list. And so, for example, when my son applied to Harvard, I mean, it wasn't like we were like, oh, my God, he's got to go to Harvard. We know he's going to get in. I mean, none of us really expected it. Um, but it fit him in a lot of ways when he was making his list. And so he put it on the list. Um, and so I think that when you're kind of planning your list and thinking about schools, it's okay to have some of those highly ranked schools. I mm -hmm. encourage it if that's what fits you and that's what you want. But you have to do it with some emotional planning. You can't say, I'm going to apply to Brown and I'm for sure going to Brown because that's my dream school. It's all I've ever thought about for the last, you know, 10 years. And that's all my parents have ever talked to me about. And if I can't go there, I'm going to be devastated. You know, so you plan. I'm going to apply to Brown because I think it's a really great fit. Um, my parents have always talked about it, how much they loved it. And I can see why. And I understand that. And I really hope I get in. But gosh, look at those like, you know, look at those stats, like the likelihood of me getting in is mm -hmm. very slim and I'm going to hope for the best, but I'm going to plan for the worst. And I'm going to have a lot of other schools on my list that I really love. And I will be equally excited about with varying ranks, varying levels of selectivity. Yeah. The way I look at rank as compared to fit, uh, is that the lower selectivity slash higher rank, essentially, uh, it's not a hard and fast rule, but, uh, generally you'll find more committed, hardworking students there. And that's like the the one and only thing I use rank and selectivity to judge. Wait, can you say that again? I didn't hear what you said in the middle part. The, the higher the rank, the what about the students? Uh, the I guess the more uh, devoted, hardworking, passionate students. Obviously, it's not a hard and fast rule. You'll find them at basically any college you apply to. Yeah, uh, I would say that that's not a rule at all. I mean, honestly. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's hardworking, passionate students at every college. At some Absolutely. big, huge state university, you might have to find your group again. You know, you find the people who fit your kind of hardworking, passionate student because there's all sorts of different kinds. Um, but there's hardworking, passionate students everywhere. I mean, in my community, 
I had some of the hardest working, passionate students I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I really don't think that's something that you can say. There, there are amazing kids at highly ranked schools. That's true. And then there are some kids who are not so amazing, you know, and there are amazing kids at all over, you know, really that that's very true. Now, I encourage kids to kind of visit colleges if you can to kind of get the feel and see if you can find those kids in your college, especially if it's a bigger college, you might have to work your way around. At liberal mm -hmm. arts colleges, I think it's much easier to find that, those hardworking, really devoted kids. Okay. So I kind of want to move on to a, a different kind of topic, but okay. in the same realm. Um, and that, so private, lots of, uh, high tier private colleges, uh, such as Notre Dame have like a school religion, like Notre Dame is Catholic, right? So mm -hmm. is that something that you should actually consider whenever you're trying to choose the right college for you? And how weighty should we make that whenever we're trying to decide what college to go that's to? A, I mean, that's a really good question. I feel like it depends on the, the school again and its level of religion, how, how important the religion is in the school. And that way you'd have to discover by researching the school and understanding what they're looking for. Um, and your level of comfort with being around kids who might be different than you. I got my master's at a small Catholic school in Houston and I thought it was amazing. I've never really even been around Catholic people. Um, funnily enough, I'm from a small town mm -hmm. in Texas and my family is Jewish. So, um, it was really great for me to kind of have that experience of, you know, learning about the Catholic education and, and being with all these students who had come from Catholic education. So, but again, it's your comfort level. There weren't a lot of other Jewish kids there, you know, for me to be around, but mm -hmm. that didn't bother me. So it, you know, it depends on what you're looking for again. And I, but I, so I don't, I think it should be a consideration, but I think if most Catholic schools, I mean, to generalize are pretty open to having everybody and they do have a wide range of different kinds of kids in them. Like for example, Fordham has all sorts of kids. I'm going to Notre Dame today. I'll be able to answer that question more specifically about them later. But <laughs> Actually, comfort was something that I wanted to talk about, but we didn't write it out in the document one of my biggest things when looking at colleges was how different it was from what it's like living for me now and i want it to be different and i'm basically mm -hmm. trying to look for like the most inverse situation that i'm in now for when i go to college okay because i, I basically want to see the opposite end of the spectrum i live in a small town my class has a 60 people you know it's very it's very intimate so like okay. Before I saw the uh, price of attendance, I was considering NYU <laughs> mm -hmm. because that's like the most different place I can possibly be. So like that's right. one of my biggest things. Uh, basically, seek, uh, I guess, seek being uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, and for you, being uncomfortable might be comfortable. I know for me, that's the case. I'm most comfortable when I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And everybody's a little different, but for you, for sure, like when you're making your fit, thinking about fit, I mean, geographic fit and urban, rural, suburban will be a big, important factor for you, um, you know, because you want that kind of totally different vibe. I'm also from a tiny little town. And so I wanted to be in a, like I went to the University of Texas because I wanted somewhere really big um, and to be in a city. You know, Austin's not quite New York City, but, you know, it's still mm -hmm. kind of, I get where you're coming from. And I think a lot of kids have that. And a lot of kids from inner cities are like, oh my gosh, just get me out into the country somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. UT Austin's definitely near the top of my list. Oh, mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Great. So we've got like uh, a couple more questions to ask you really quickly. Um, okay. So, so the first one is like, 
So obviously the burning question in everybody's mind who's listening today is like, what can I do to prepare better for college? So let's start with the underclassmen. What can underclassmen, freshmen and sophomores in high school, do right now or in this upcoming summer to be more prepared for the admissions process come junior or senior year? So I think there are, first of all, some really practical things to be thinking about that I think on applying to college also, we're not quite as aware when we're talking to kids um, for the underclassmen, we tend to want to rush them off and say, no, don't, don't worry about college yet. But I think what we have to be aware of is that there are a lot of kids who are in situations where there's nobody talking about college to them. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not like they're coming from a pressure zone. So for those kids, if you're looking, if you're thinking about going to a highly selective college at all or a liberal arts college, I think it's really important to think about taking your, your classes, making sure you have the hardest rigor in your school that you can comfortably take. So that doesn't mean taking every hard class in the school, but it means taking the classes that you can comfortably take, pushing yourself, but not to the point where you're exhausted. Um, and then in those, and then also in addition to that, starting that SAT subject test early. I mean, I really push that. If you're taking biology in ninth grade and world history in 10th grade, Take those subject tests those years, because by the time you come to us in you know junior year, it's a little it's too late often to get all the subject tests in, and you don't mm-hmm. know in ninth and tenth grade yet what kind of level of college you're going to be looking for as far as selectivity or whether they want subject tests or not. So it's good to just get those out of the way. You have to study for them, um, but that's okay. Studying is a good thing. Um, I really next- wish I had done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you know my kids did that, and I think that really beneficial to have that advice. Um, and then, so you don't have that pressure. Also, sophomore year, I feel like is a really good year to start trying to start thinking about the ACT and the SAT, not necessarily taking it, but start taking practice tests to feel which one feels more comfortable to you mm-hmm. um, and to kind of just get a grasp of it. Um, and then, you know, by the beginning of junior year, I think you should be taking those tests. You're already taking the PSAT for the most part. Most kids do. So you might mm-hmm. as well take the SAT in the fall of junior year. That means you have to start prepping sophomore year. Um, as, as far as the rest, um, you know, those are the practicalities. The rest of it, I feel like is that get involved going back to be involved in yourself, mm-hmm. take care of your mental health and your emotional health and your physical health. Um, you know, read, reading, reading, reading is so important and reading all kinds of books, you know, in reading fiction, um, and reading more than Reddit, you know, there's some really, <laughs> <laughs> um, and important. then, um, you know, taking care of yourself, being outside, getting involved with your family, figuring out ways you can help your family out, being involved in your community in whichever way that is. And not for hours, depend on your application. Um, but because that's a way to help yourself become a stronger person and to give back at the same time and to learn more about yourself as you're doing that. What, what makes you tick? What's interesting to you? You know, do you want to work with people, um, helping them with computers or doing coding or do you like that one-on-one interaction or do you want to be behind the scenes helping? Going off and doing, you know, community service for somebody helping them help fixing the computers at a retirement home. There's all sorts of ways to be involved and give back that aren't, you know, necessarily being in a group um, and that can show leadership that way too. And then being involved in school in whichever way that is for you. Again, it doesn't have to be being involved in a group. It doesn't have to be being the president of a group eventually. It can simply be like, I'm going to make a a mental note to myself that once a week, I'm going to sit by a new person who I've never sat with. 
um, or I'm going to look for that kid in the cafeteria who doesn't have anybody sitting next to them. And I'm going to do that. And that's something that is a great for the school. It's great for you. It's great for them. And you know what? It's great on your application. You can write that up on your application. It doesn't have to be something organized. And then think about getting a job when you're ready, when you're 16. Um, colleges are looking for kids who are showing initiative, who are showing independence. That's leadership right there to go get a job and start earning your own money. So those are ways I think in ninth and 10th grade that you can just start making a really great college application. I think you said really something really good with, uh, uh, class rigor. And I like, I want to make this clear to underclassmen because, uh, it's a mistake that a lot of people make. And I think, mm -hmm. uh, colleges look less for your course rigor and more at, do you understand what your limits are? Because yes. if you like, if a Harvard accepts you and then you just take all the most difficult classes you can and then end up dropping out halfway through your freshman year, that doesn't look good on Harvard's papers. It mm -hmm. doesn't look good to Harvard. So it's good to understand what your rigor limits are. Uh, yes. uh, as far as classes take, like I know this year I hit my wall with AP Chem. It, I, I hit a wall. I like, I didn't understand my limits, and I I understand them now better, uh, looking back on that. Yeah, of course. So I, it's I very also, good to know that. Yeah, I think going back to courses too, and this is again for kids who don't have a lot of college counseling available to them. Colleges do want to see four years of your basic subjects. Um, they want to see four years of math. They want to see four years of sciences. They want to see four years of social sciences, history, geography, economics, those kind of classes. They want to see four years of a foreign language, which I come across with Reddit kids frequently. They don't have that. And they want to see four years of English. Um, and they want to see those on your transcript, especially the most highly selective colleges. And so if you're thinking about you want to go that direction, you can't wait until your junior and senior year and not have kind of planned that out. And it, and again, they want to see those classes and they want to see you taking, like you said, you know, the highest level of rigor that you can, but that doesn't mean the highest level in every class. You know, you take, if you're taking, you might take, you might be really great at history and say so you're taking AP honors or IB histories, but then in math, not so much. So you take re regular level math. You don't have to have the highest level in every um, course. Yeah. Like for me, I'm good at English and writing papers, but my, the wall I hit with that is, uh, like getting the work done and having like way too much of that. So I right. kind of skipped over the AP English classes because I knew that I wouldn't be successful there. And instead right. I opted to take two semesters of English at the college. And now I have four years and it's the end of my junior year. So that's great. So you've learned, yeah. Well, so you're learning about yourself as you go through the process too. And, and you're thinking about it. So that's really yeah. good to know. That's great advice for them too. Yeah, so, um, moving on to the next thing is like, what do you think juniors should do this year and maybe even seniors who are going into college? So June, it's really not that much different than what I said to freshmen and sophomores, to be honest with you, staying involved, figuring out where your level of involvement and level of involvement is. I do think juniors should be testing. Um, so I think you should take the SAT or the ACT in the fall of your junior year, a little bit earlier than you might be hearing from other people. Um, I don't, I personally don't feel like you should devote your whole life to studying for the test. I feel like there can be a lot to preparation. Um, reading can really help if you have math issues. You know, I know, I know on the, the subreddits, SAT and ACT, they're really helpful with that. If you can't afford tutoring or help from a teacher, um, or the smartest kid in your class is often frequently a good help too. 
Um, but also I feel like you take it in the fall. If you feel like you're ready, figure out which one works best, take one, see how you do. If you're comfortable with that, then I'd take another one and that one and see if you can do a little bit better, maybe in the spring. Mm -hmm. And then I don't like to see kids spend more than three weekends testing. Um, I, a lot of people do a lot more than that. And a lot of testing companies and college counselors disagree with me and that's okay. I mean, I know that my little voice is a voice in the wilderness, so it's kind of like, um, but I feel like it's good for people to hear all sorts of um, philosophies about it. Um, and so I do feel like testing needs to start junior year. I like to have my students who come to me privately be finished before they, before we start senior year. So it's just not something that we have to deal with. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes they end up having to take a test through the fall of their senior year and it's okay, but it's a lot better to start senior year and just be able to focus on your classes, your activities and your college applications rather than having to throw testing into the mix. Mm -hmm. Try to get the subject tests done by the end of junior year. So you really don't have to focus on those senior year. Um, and then as far as that with juniors go, the more reading and the more writing you do, the better. Um, I don't think you should start writing your applications yet. Um, but I do think that the more reading and writing you do, the better. Oh, you know what? One thing I wanted to go back to with freshmen and sophomores too, mm -hmm. and juniors also, is start <laughs> keeping track of your, start a resume now. Start keeping a track of your activities as you do them starting freshman year. Just on a sheet of paper on your computer, just write them down. It doesn't have to be in any kind of formula. I mean, organized format. Just keep a list, ninth grade, and then list everything you did, even if it's a personal project. Um, and then 10th grade, and then junior year, if you have yeah, just sit down and do that because when it comes time to do applications, you're like trying to rack your brain going back. So it's good to kind of keep track of that as you go. Yeah. I um, go ahead. Oh, sorry. You, you can go on. No, no, that's okay. I think for testing, like personally, I started it at the end of sophomore year. I just took the ACT once to get a feel for it. And mm -hmm. I think that was my biggest hurdle, getting a feel for the actual procedure of taking the test. Like in my practice test, I did way better than I did in the actual test. So okay. it's kind of the environment of being in a test for yes. me. That was sort of my main hurdle. So I, I've taken the ACT, unfortunately, four times now, and I'm I'm done, thank God. Good. Uh, okay. And I think that fourth time I took it, uh, I kind of like I didn't pay as much attention to the actual process of taking the test as much as the test itself, which uh -huh. is a really good okay. thing. You need to get used. You need to learn how to block out the anxiety of the testing center, right? And focus on the content of the test more. Because right. that, that's a huge help. And also, bring a watch with a stopwatch on it so you know exactly how much time you have left. I brought a clock once. Mm -hmm. Doesn't work. There, yeah. there, there have been too many standardized test rooms that I've been in with no clock. It's ridiculous. Where they just, they just have their own watch and then every five to ten minutes they'll like update the time with a dry erase marker on the board. It's just like. Even that sucks. Because yeah. Like, just having a clock and knowing when it is, it's so yeah, much harder. Yeah, you need a clock so you can, so you can pace yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like you should have a yeah. stopwatch. And that should be fairly consistent, I think, from, from school to school, you know, from kid to kid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. My my watch beeped, and the way I fixed that is that I opened it up and pulled a string out, or a spring out. <laughs> and it just oh, stopped wow. beeping. That's, that's crazy. pretty, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, thank God I learned how to how to work with electronics yeah. at some point. Yeah. I guess this is my final question. I don't know if anybody has any any other ones, but uh, my final question is it's kind of the holy grail question. Uh, are there are there any most important parts of the application, and if there are, what are they? That's a really great question. Um, so there are, it, it's dependent on the school, first of all. 
for some schools, all they look at is your class rank and your scores. I mean, mm-hmm. in, for example, like the University of Texas, if you're a Texas resident, um, it's basically just your class rank. If you're in that top 6% coming up this year, then you're automatically accepted. Um, so for big state schools, it's frequently just, you know, the stats. Um, and then for University of Texas, they go to holistic after that. Um, and for out of state kids. Um, so, but for schools who do holistic applications, um, for many of them, your, your, your classes that you take and your, your selection of the classes you take and the grades you make in them are way more important than your GPA, um, or your class rank. Um, they actually look at your application. They very rarely look at your GPA or your class rank, but they look at your transcript and the classes that you've chosen to take in your grades in them. And that's the most important thing. Then there's your test scores. The way I look at it with test scores is that test scores can basically help you, but they really don't hurt you too much. It's really interesting to kind of be talk to college admissions officers about this. If you have great test scores, it's not going to hurt you. I mean, it's, it's going to help you. Mm-hmm. If you have mediocre test scores or even a little bit below the range for those schools, um, it's probably not going to hurt you unless they're just way below the range. Um, because they look at so many other factors inside of it besides test scores, but that is definitely probably the next most important thing. And then essay, and then there's like a whole bunch that's kind of bunched up together. So teacher recommendations, essays, personal statements, demonstrated interest is huge for a lot of colleges. Like how interested are you in us? That plays into whether you're a good fit for them. Um, and then uh, let's see, those are the most, and then teacher recommendations, I guess, tell me what else is there that I'm forgetting. I can tell you where it goes. <laughs> like, mm, where extra, am I? I'm trying oh, to think extracurriculars. Yes, yeah. I knew that I was missing something. There you extracurriculars go. then are kind of below all of that. So, but it's all a balance. It's really mm-hmm. interesting to watch. I've been on, I've actually just come from a few conferences where admissions officers from colleges kind of do a, a show us, like they go through the process of like what it was like. And it's really interesting to see how they balance everything out. And they like, oh, well, you know, this, this essay wasn't that great. You know, I didn't really like love his essay. It's okay. It was like, it wasn't bad. It didn't hurt him, but he's got all this other stuff over here that balances out versus, you know, another kid is like just nailed it on the essay. And like, I really know this kid. I really feel like I like him a Mm. lot and I really want to get to know this kid. And so I want to bring him on campus because I feel like he'll just be a great classmate. So it kind of, it's a really, those are all kind of a balance, those things, those soft factors. So would you say that uh, then being more balanced is uh, more of a help than any, necessarily any one of these individual things being really good? Like you need to have a decent amount of each of them and not necessarily like a 1600 and a 36 ACT, and then you can kind of like slack on the rest of them. Like you keep, you, you have to be, you yeah. not slack. Yeah. If you have a 1600 and a 36 SAT, a, a, ACT or SAT, you still mm-hmm. have to, you know, crush it on everything else. Unless you're going, unless you want to go to a school that's going to take you strictly on your stats. And there are mm-hmm. those schools and the, there are those schools will give you full ride for those stats. You know, yeah. I mean, so for some kids who are like, mm, I really don't want to write essays. <laughs> that's yeah, just there are a lot of thing. schools that are going test blind now, you know, like Wake Forest. You know, that's something, that's something important to consider, though, like schools that will give you a full ride, because I know there's uh, a college 10 minutes for me that will give you a full ride if you get over 1400 on your SAT. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge consideration for kids, for sure. And, you know, I think that a lot of kids are getting more practical about that. So that's great. Uh, so I really feel like the, the, the main thing is you're keeping your grades up. You've got to keep your grades up, but then otherwise it's, 
all the soft things, you know? Um, and I think they, I personally feel like essays can make a really big difference, but that's because I was a writing teacher and I love working on essays and that's, you know, what, mm-hmm. where I see a difference. I've, I've read over the last few years that I've been working on Reddit, I've read thousands and thousands of essays and, I can see the difference between the essays and the kids who are really putting their voice out there and really putting their own thoughts and who they are into the essay versus kids who feel like there's a formula to it or who've read a bunch of like accepted to college essays and trying to recreate that. And so there is a definite difference. And I can see how college admissions counselors, I'm not one and I never have been, but I can see from reading so many essays now how you can connect to kids just by reading that essay. Do you have any um, specific uh, yeah. tips that you would say for that essay, or do you just want to tell people, like, just be yourself and you'll figure it out, basically? Um, no, I have a lot of tips, but uh, that would be... Okay, like, yeah, fair enough. That would, I mean, that's an entirely new subject that we'd get into. <laughs> yeah, that would take a long time. I have a whole lot of tips about yeah. that. Yeah. One thing that's really contested uh, among people that are applying to college, and especially among a lot of my friends are what is better between having one thing on your extracurriculars that you're really good at and being balanced and having a bunch of things. So I think that there's, and again, this comes down to schools, individual schools, certain schools, like what you, the, the buzzword is a spike, right? Mm-hmm. Like one thing that you totally like burrow into and really experience with that. And other kids who are looking for other schools who are looking for more well, well-rounded people. And generally you say uh, colleges are looking for a well-rounded class. Um, so, but what has happened with that, I think has been like, a, honestly, I feel like it's a travesty to kids because that push for the spike, um, has caused kids at 14 to feel like they need to figure out what they want to do with the rest of their lives. And so every extracurricular activity they're doing has to fit that every class they're taking has to fit that. And I feel like that's far too young. Um, Instead, what I recommend to kids is they become star-shaped. So um, pick a few different areas that interest you and excite you and intrigue you. And again, with that level of interest that we're talking about, getting um, involved with yourself and your community mm-hmm. and your family and your class and your city. Um, and, so, and then become star-shaped. Pick a few different areas that intrigue you, excite you, and then move forward with those. But don't limit yourself to just one thing as a 14 or 15-year-old. There's such a big world out there. I mean, you, you can't just, you know, limit yourself to that. So even if it's scary to you, even if it's like, ah, no, I only want to sit home and work on my computer and that's all I want to do. No, push yourself mm-hmm. out there. There's a big world to see. And I, I think that, I think that's been an unintended consequence of what's happened that colleges were saying, you know, no, we don't want well-rounded because before kids were trying to be well-rounded and they were doing every activity in school because they felt like they had to have everything. And colleges were like, no, that's not what we want. Don't do that. You're exhausting yourself. We need this spike. We want to see you really get into one thing. Well, then it's had the backlash of unintended consequences. So, you know, I feel like it's follow a few different areas and some of them won't work out and that's okay. You do something in ninth grade, you don't like it, move on. Find something you do like. Find something that's interesting to you or excites you or intrigues you or makes you uncomfortable in a good way. So we've pretty much uh, run out of questions on our side. So do you have anything that you want to add before uh, we close this out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't finish that one question. I Mm -hmm. I got sidetracked, I think, about what what kids going into senior year should Mm -hmm. be doing. So we did freshmen, sophomore, Mm -hmm. juniors, but I didn't do it for you guys, right? So what should you be doing? 
Um, and it, and a lot of it is the same information. Um, you know, staying involved, making sure you do something this summer that's involved in all different areas. But as far as the actual applications go, you know, making, getting your testing done. And then as far as the applications go, like I don't recommend that you start writing your essays this Mm -hmm. early. I've had kids already sending me essays who are juniors this year. And my thought to them is like, you know, keep writing. That's great. Keep writing. I don't edit it. I'm not going to talk to you about it because you have so much more to say. And as you go through this process of learning about who you are, thinking about the essays, you're going to completely change really what you want to tell colleges about you. And I hear, I've seen this now in two big cycles in a big way on applying to college, but also with my own students, that if you start writing your essays too early and you're like, oh, I'm done, that's it. Then when you end up writing some other essays later, you're like, oh my gosh, they're so much better. I can't believe I sent this one to my early decision college. No wonder I didn't get in. You know, because as I went through the process more, I learned so much more about myself and about who I wanted to present and who I wanted to connect with. So my, for writing essays, my advice to you all as rising seniors is just to write, read and write, write every day. I have a list of, you know, a hundred questions that, you know, if we ever talk about essays, I can go through with them, but answer those questions, try to take five minutes every day and just to write and just get in the practice of finding your voice because I feel like when you're um, in high school, a lot of times your voice has been pounded out of you as you write analytical essays. And you all know how to have it because you're online all the time writing. It's just a matter of getting that voice and making it and using it in an essay. So I feel like you should be writing every day and reading lots and lots of books. And then I feel like you should definitely do something productive this summer. That is not the same for everybody. For everybody, that's going to be a different thing, what productive is. For some kids, that's a job to make money for themselves, for their family, for whatever they need. For some kids, that's actually personal, pursuing personal interests and hobbies and goals. Um, for some kids, that's doing research in a lab. For some kids, that's doing an internship. For some kids, that's travel. Everybody is, it's different, but make sure that it's productive and that you're involved in it. That you're not just doing it because it's another step on the path, but you're doing it because it excites you and it makes you interested. Um, and it might be hard. That doesn't mean it's easy. It could be hard. Um, and that's not bad. Doing hard stuff is good. Um, and as far as the rest of the application process goes, I recommend that in August, as soon as the Common App comes up, you start, or July now, I think maybe, fill it out. Fill out all the basic information. Don't do the essays yet, but just fill out all the basic information. That's just kind of time consuming. You can sit in front of a computer, I mean, in front of your TV and do it. Um, but to get that done out of the way is a really good first step. And then start thinking about your list. And I start with a list that's huge with my students. And you'll see on applying to college, I'm, I'll throw out a ton of schools to kids. Um, but think about the fit, all those fits that you have. And then just start finding your list. How do you find colleges, right? So the way that you find colleges is you read the FISC guide, F-I-S-K-E. Um, read the Yale Daily News has a student guide. I can't remember the name of it right now. They have a great, and it's written from the students' perspectives of the different colleges. Um, let's see, colleges that change lives. I recommend everybody read it, even if they're really not interested in a liberal arts college. They just explain the college process really well. And so you can start seeing things in that book, when they're ta- when you're reading about colleges that you want to pull out and take with you, even if you want to go to a bigger university, um, and I, those three books I feel like are really helpful at finding a college list, and then coming on applying to college and doing reverse chance meets, or you know talking to people around you, talking to your high school counselors, obviously. Um, and and while I'm in the line of high school counselors, I just want to say that um, 
definitely use your high school counselors. Um, they are a wealth of information. I've been to many conferences with them and they are really eager to help you and want to help you. Um, and they're the ones who go and can, um, help you with like your transcript and all your, what, what you need specifically for your application for your schools. Thank you so much for your, uh, for your help and your input today. Um, do you want to take a moment to plug your social media before we let you go? Uh, sure. Okay. You can, you can find me on Reddit, obviously as applying and applying to college. I'm a moderator as admissions mom. I also have a, um, an Instagram account and a Twitter account. And can I plug my app that I'm creating? Of course. Yeah. It's a peer to peer experience sharing app. So for kids who can visit colleges to be able to share with the experiences, like visiting the colleges for the kids who can't. A lot of kids have to make the decision on which college they're attending without ever visiting, either because they're international or because they can't afford to visit. Um, so this way, kids who can visit can kind of share what it's like to be on the campus. And my hope is that, you know, by hundreds of kids visiting, you can read about it and go, oh, okay, this kind of feels like my vibe or not by what it feels like to those kids who can. That's my goal. That seems something super valuable to uh, a lot yeah, of us students who, who can't who, won't, who can't afford all of the flights that it would take to visit their college list. So right. uh, thank you very much for coming today, and um, we'll talk to you again. All right. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure. This week on Reddit, we saw a post titled, I strongly dislike kids who do everything just for college. The content of this post was, I don't mean to sound like an but I can't stand it when some people do a bunch of things in school just for the sake of it looking good for college. There was a senior in my class who was the president of three clubs and president of the school where he said he only took these class, these roles because it looked good for college and that he didn't care about any of them. In addition, he did a lot of the, quote, pay to get in college summer camps at Ivy's, unquote. He didn't end up getting into any of the Ivy's that he applied to. I really don't mean to seem rude, but it just gets me mad when people do something that they don't genuinely like doing in school just for the sake of college. I guess in this case, they were unable to see it through. Dot, 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 in post. What do you guys think about this? I think that whoever the poster is talking about is an idiot and should not have done all this crap because I think that, like, I think that one, it makes your life unenjoyable and dumb. And two, I think that everyone including the admissions people will see right through it. So yeah. if anyone wants to latch off of that, that's my, that's my summary. I don't know. I feel like I, his intentions are bad. Obviously, you know, you could say he's only doing this for college. Like that sure. That's like his, his intentions may be bad, but like at the end of the day, he's still taking on all this workload. Like he's still being the president of these clubs. He's still putting in the work. Mm hmm. I feel well, like that's something yeah. that's that that admissions counselors like it, I'm I might be wrong, but I feel like that's something that they would still consider. Well, I to that likelihood, I might, yeah, I could go for it. I think the likelihood that he actually did significant work in the clubs is doubtful. Mm -hmm. Well, don't most clubs require you to like be voted in by the rest of the people in the club? Or that's true. Like, but by sometimes teacher? it's just a popularity con contest, like um. Yeah. Especially in something where um, the officers are elected super early, like a National Honor Society, like it can be just based on who the most popular people That's are, and not necessarily who the most qualified people are. You know, actually, or he could have uh, just an executive board uh, freshman year 
we had the first executive board meeting for my class the week mm-hmm. after school started, right? Mm-hmm. And during the first meeting, we elected officers. Ridiculous. What? Yeah. We have, Completely we, nonsensical. We, yeah, we elected officers during the first meeting. Like, <laughs> That's ridiculous. These, these people were like, so who wants to be officers? And like, these people all just were like, I, I guess I do. And there are two people who even wanted to be pre- wanted to be like president or something like that. So there was like one person for each role that even wanted to be them. I hate it when people use SGA as an extracurricular because more often than not, it's a popularity contest and SGA doesn't do anything. Yeah. That, so if you could just, what is SGA? I feel like I should know what that is. Student government. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. I think it depends on what club it is, but I, I could see like if you're the president of student council, that's more than likely a popularity contest if you have yeah. a large student council at your school. Mm-hmm. Like our our school student council is comprised of lots of kids, like like a like a ton of kids. Our so kids. Yeah. So the student council is just all popular popular people. All, mm-hmm. Yeah. We have one of the largest student councils in the state, I think. I mean, so it, on one hand, uh, like I feel like my school kind of got lucky because. Uh, everyone in the student council of my school, I would say, actually is qualified to do it. However, it is just totally like a popularity contest with like, I mean, everyone in there is like some of the best known people in our in our class, basically. So like, if the most well-known people in your class aren't necessarily qualified to do it, that's just going to be like, it's going to be poorly run, poorly managed, and it's not going to be the people who should actually be running it and should actually be getting the credit for being good enough to be in that leadership position. But then again, yeah. like there, some of these commenters have like some great points. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are some reasons why this kid did it, obviously, uh, which is like the first the top commenter brings up a great point. I feel like it's gotten to the point, he says, where to be competitive, you got to do the most impressive ECs available to you, even if you don't love them. And I think that's a great point to make. Like a lot of the super selective schools are becoming so selective where if you're not an extraordinary applicant in some sense or another, you're more than likely not going to get in. And even though focusing on rank and selectivity might not be the best thing, if somebody is dead set on going to one of these schools because it's the best fit for them, they're going to have a hard time doing it if they don't have insane extracurriculars or some other part of their application stands out. So so it kind of speaks to the whole college admissions process. I, think I would think, just potentially. No, go for it. Go for it. I don't think doing extracurriculars for the purpose of college is necessarily a bad thing, but I think once you get into it, it's better to stop doing the things that you don't like doing and are just doing for college and figure out the extracurriculars that you want to do and things that you're passionate about. Because, like, basically anything that you like to do and you're passionate about can be turned into an extracurricular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost, I, almost anything. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, my grandpa, for three months, he was, uh, in ICU, and then he went to the nursing home because of a 4 by 4 auto accident, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he drove off a 15-foot embankment, fell out of, his, out of the seat and all that. So he went to the ICU for three months, and then he went to a nursing home for uh-huh. uh, four weeks, and then he wanted to come home. And I was like, you know, there was no way he's going to be independent enough to go to his own house by himself. So I volunteered to be at his house for him and help him out. You know, I was the sole caretaker for him for three months. Before on doctor's orders, he had to go to an assisted living facility. Mm-hmm. But it, like like that, I'm putting that on my 
um, essay, not my essay, on my common app as an extracurricular because it is like that's something outside of school that shows your merits. And that's mm-hmm. really what ec- extracurriculars should be. Like you shouldn't think of extracurriculars purely as a school thing. It's also something that you could do outside of school, like uh, research opportunities and um, internships and volunteering to help somebody when nobody yeah, else did. E- even if you just put into yeah. a tough family situation like that, like even if you just have to take care of like, say you have to take care of your siblings or if you have to take care of a grandparent, then that like, like what you said, that's absolutely counts as an extracurricular because it shows that like you care and you're passionate about um, helping other people. And I think that it really tries to, can, I don't know where I'm going with this sentence, but I think that it conveys the message that you are passionate about something and um, you are want to help people. Yeah, I, I, I found my passion for leadership and community service through just trying to find extracurriculars to do. So, you know, that actually, I mean, I, there was another comment that I actually wrote down here um, that says that basically the same exact thing, which is that uh, Sin43 says, I found my passion while doing activities and taking classes, quote, for college, unquote. I have no regrets. And to be honest, it shouldn't matter to you what someone else's motivations are. Let them be. They are trying to fulfill their aspirations. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think that's a great point to make. Like, maybe that guy, like, maybe he's just saying that to, I don't know, sound cool or something. Like, make make his uh, self-exploration sound like it's less like that. Because maybe he, maybe that guy doesn't know what he wants to do. So he's exploring all these other clubs. You know, he's becoming the president of these clubs because he's he's trying to find what he wants to do with his life, you know? I, yeah, that's, I would that's something just to be say admired. to you that I don't think that trying to explore what you want to do would include becoming president of that club necessarily. Like, yeah. I, 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 I think fair. there's a difference between, say, joining the astronomy club because you want to see if you're interested in astronomy and then versus rallying the people in astronomy club to vote you in for president because, like, there's a purpose behind getting the leadership position Versus simply join the club. I think that you can definitely say that it's only for college because he didn't just go to join the club. He went for a leadership position and there's no point to the leadership position for a club that he doesn't care about, except that he wants to look good to applications. I think that the role of a president of a club should really be to improve the club. And if, yeah. and if he's the best person to improve the club, then you know what? He deserves the role of president. Like, but if he's just even, doing it to fluff an application, even if even if he's just doing it to fluff an application, if he's the best person for the job, he's the mm-hmm. he's the best president that that college or that 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 uh, club could have at that mm-hmm. moment. Then I think he still deserves that, even if he's doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, we just we just don't know whether or not he is. Yeah. The we right just don't have enough club. information. Yeah, we, yeah. we don't know his intentions. And um, you said something earlier about um how. Uh, if you find a college that is your best fit and it's a tough college to get into, um, say you would need a lot of extracurriculars for that because these schools are really selective and that's just how the system works. Yeah. But what I would say to that is basically if you feel that the college that you want to get into requires so many extracurriculars that you feel like you're just dedicating your life to this kind of arbitrary insanity of just collecting leadership positions that you might not necessarily even enjoy, then I don't necessarily think that that college is the best fit for you in the first place. But like then again, we don't know. We don't, 
we don't know if this this kid doesn't enjoy the leadership positions, right? Like maybe maybe he <laughs> likes the act of being a leader. Maybe he likes being the president of a club. I mean, yeah. leadership positions are in the Atlanta college community basically a meme at this point. Like when somebody when we started this Discord server to to record the podcast. Somebody was like, so who wants to make a Discord server? And someone went, is that a leadership position? I'll get right on it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that is fair enough. You know, people just look for leadership positions just for the sake yeah. of it being. I, I mean, here position. we are, all the admins of the server right now talking about uh, someone getting a leadership position. And yeah. acting yeah. as if well, we're see, not I am one of those people, though. As well. I am one of those people that enjoys being a leader and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. figuring out the logistics of things because. That, that's something that I enjoy. So I can kind of relate to what this what this kid is like in in the post that what this post about the kid the post is about because mm-hmm. like I'm I'm that kid, but I don't do it specifically for college admissions. I do it because I enjoy it, and right. I think I think that's an important distinction to make. Mm-hmm. I I just feel like um, while you are enjoying your time in these clubs, the other guy just isn't, and I just feel like I mean. I'm not here to control his life, but I just think that if he's not enjoying these clubs, then he shouldn't be trying to go to leadership position because it specifically says like he only took on these roles because it looked good for college and he didn't care about any of them. So I think that what you're doing is the right thing, but I don't think that what this guy doing is the right thing, even though the actions are the same, the intentions and how the people behind the actions feel are completely different. All right, so we're we're getting pretty pretty long here for this uh, Reddit discussion. So mm-hmm. I kind of want to just wrap this up with some final thoughts. Um, yeah, I, do, does anybody want to go first? Uh, do what you enjoy in high school, and um, the college that you want to go to will um, come to you as long as you do your proper research. You know, yeah, yeah that's what I I kind of want to say as well, which is that uh, it's important that you find things that you enjoy, and if you do things that you enjoy the right college is going to let you in. Like the college for you is going to, it's going to welcome you with open arms mm-hmm. because you've yeah. been doing things that you enjoy and you've been doing them with a rigor that you enjoy. Do what you love and find an extracurricular for it. Everything for has an extracurricular. All right. You just, so you just have to find it. Um, again, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media. If you have any suggestions, comments, or think that you may be able to provide a unique perspective on college admissions, please contact us at RTIY podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Also look for us on Patreon if you would like to support the uh, the website that we plan on having or hosting for this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. The website should be up relatively shortly. We have a guy who's doing that, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tune in again next week for more. We regret to inform you. See you then. Uh, we want to also credit before we leave Alyosha Romanov for head of sound, um, Donut in the Discord server for head of marketing. We'll have his name in next week, hopefully. Sam Young for head of design and the topic writers Ashley, Soled Soledge Alpha on the Discord server and Salil on the Discord server as well. Thank you and we'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>